This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley. Arkansas wins the national championship! Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials. Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown! Kanan Van Buren says he's going to cancel his TV subscription after the weekend. He's so sure Arkansas is going to uh, embarrass him. Uh, earlier this morning, he texted and he picked a 54-10 to 10 win for LSU. We are all prisoners of the moment, aren't we? You realize that the national champion LSU Tigers beat that awful 2019 Arkansas team 56-20. to 20. At least that team put up 20. Uh, I don't see 54 to 10. I see a good ball game. I see Arkansas potentially cover. You know, I, what, what was the spread? 18 and a half? I think that's a little high. It's going to take uh, it's going to take everybody. It's uh, you can't let it get away from you early. Um, I like the fact that we have a veteran quarterback. Uh, KJ has been really good early having, you know, having those first 10 plays that him and Danny, you know, to go over. I, I don't know how they do that. I mean, most most times you go over. Uh, every every quarterback coach would be a little different on how many plays you want to go, but we always ran about 10 to 12 plays, and, and you go over it today. You'll go over it again tomorrow. You'll go over it on Saturday before the game. So, um, so you know, start off strong, hopefully. Sounds to me like Shane's interested in at least just canceling some subscriptions. He's probably he's, at this moment as he's listening to the show and see him going through cut the cord. all of all of his whether you cut the cord or not. You're, like now, it actually costs more to have all the subscriptions than it does to have cable or satellite. So we're no longer at that point where you're saving money by quote unquote cutting the cord. But I think Shane's interested in at least not. Not watching football anymore. You're not going to have a television subscription. But you'll be listening to ESPN Arkansas. You can listen to the games at that point, right? Because we'll always have every Razorback game right here on, uh, on all of your affiliates. I'm not looking to cancel things just yet. No. In fact, I need, I, I need the YouTube thing. The truth is I don't really need it unless I want to watch the Arkansas game over again. Well, that might be the only reason I have it. You know, and if if we're struggling pass blocking, then then let's run the ball a little bit. You got to be able to do one of them. You got to be able to do one of the two things. But we're going to move the pocket a little bit. Try to try to mess, you know, move things around. And just you know, take care of the ball. That, that's that's the one thing we've been doing pretty good. At. We haven't had a lot of turnovers on offense. We got to keep that going. What will move in the pocket? Do, does that limit anything as as far as where you're looking to throw the ball? Because you're moving the pocket over to one side of the field. I did hear Sam Pittman refer to that last night. Well, it's kind of like uh, that throwback. That was like BYU moving the pocket. You know, they moved that pocket all the way over there, and then you and then you throw it back. But mo- most of the time, when you when you move the pocket right or left, uh, you're kind of shutting down half the field. Now, if you get if you get flushed or you get scrambled, you'll have a front side of, of routes. You'll have a backside concept. You got to know what's going on there. But when, when you're when you're moving the pocket, you're just kind of making the game. You're clear, clearing it up, making the game easy. It's a high low read. It's a it's a flat read. It's a curl read. It's over the top read, or it's run the ball. You know, it's kind of the the same type of concepts that you'll have, and it just makes it go quick. And, and KJ throws the ball well on the run. I mean, that's one of his his better assets. Do you think they've tried? to turn him into a pocket passer or is this just a product so far of 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 the the build of the offense under Dan Enos I, I think KJ's played fine in these first three games I, I don't think it did well, uh, not a matter if he's played fine or not just the design are you do you know Sam Sam did mention the idea of 
I think in the summer, if I, I can't put the exact quote into words, but it was, you know, there's certain things you want to do or show you can do in college that you're you're putting on display for the scouts for the for the next level. I mean, do you, do you think there's been any any of that that you've seen? Oh, I, I don't know. We're trying to win a ball game. Uh, we're we're it, it's um, go out there and win ball games is what you is what you got to do. Whatever the game plan is, whatever coach asks you to do. Uh, go out there and be an athlete. D- d- don't go. I mean, just don't don't try to play outside yourself. K- KJ's talented enough. I mean, he's he's uh, second team All Conference for a reason. Uh, maybe you get Rocket back. You know, maybe get a little help, and run the ball a little bit better, and and just KJ's just got to be KJ. Got to find a way to get um, Armstrong. Armstrong will get open. I expect he's going to get Tesla, open. When Tesla, when I had a coach tell me this, and it's uh, you know C- C- Coach Wiki, and it, it was when hey, when that D back is not looking at you, and it's one on one coverage out there, it's a George Wilson, it's a Marcus Monk, it's a Richard Smith, it's a Corey Birmingham, it's whoever somebody like that is. If it's Tesla or Armstrong. Throw it to that receiver because he doesn't even. Your your guy's the only one that's going to make the play on that on that ball. He's open, and and Tesla's proven that he can catch the ball in traffic, and I think Armstrong can too. You must have salivated when you had the opportunity to get covered one on one when you did play wide receiver because you know you might be thinking your quarterback's in the same mind frame as exactly that. You know where the ball is coming. You want to be covered one on one at that point. You, I hope that I hope you see that this weekend. And it and you build you build up trust. You know you you, you don't want as long as you're throwing the ball. Uh, if Armstrong, you know, you, and, and there's no interceptions, you're, you're having a trust right there. You, you really trust each other. And the same with Tesla. You're you're throwing up to him when you're covered, and you know at worst it's going to be incomplete. That my guy's going to go up there, and and if I throw a, throw it bad, he's going to make sure that that the D back doesn't catch it. And, and and that's one thing that I think Armstrong and Tesla can do let's go to the mcclarty daniel hotline we have a brian and ozark alert 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 morning brian what's up well i actually had people text in asking for that so i'm just i'm just doing the public awesome. service well that's pretty awesome i think that is a compliment yeah you ought to well, take that as a compliment people dislike you enough to want to want to know when you're going to start talking yeah well i can't handle the real truth but, so, I think it's the way. Oh, I, I think it. it's the. I think it's the tone more than anything. That's probably it. Uh, well, because I'm confident in my team. Yeah, I'm not confident to... in what Texas is going to do. But well, go, anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. My my question for you is: Okay, two months ago, when all these conversations started, we were told, and not just y'all. It was pretty much every sports. Caster in Arkansas, talking about how great Arkansas was going to be because of the transfer portal and these receivers and these defensive backs and blah, blah, blah. Well, as of today, that has been just totally wrong. They're not great. They're mediocre, average. And uh, I'm cutting you off here for a moment because you're spouting lies, truthfully, because you look at the transfer portal and Arkansas's top receiver comes out of the transfer portal. Top two receivers comes out of the portal. You got a defensive line that's been rebuilt through the transfer portal. You got a couple of linebackers, one who's returned one for a touchdown. Another who's your leading tackler is coming out of the transfer portal. 
My whole point earlier this year, Brian, was you don't you were, yeah, I think Arkansas's improved Greer, through the Jackson, transfer portal. Jeff Coat, all three of those guys. But, yeah. but everybody else in the SEC has also improved through the transfer portal. I think you had some selective listening whenever you were listening, blah, blah, blah. Okay, that's where you usually talk, but I didn't think he was interested in talking because I called him out on lies. See, that's why people don't like somebody like that. When they call in, there is the tone, and then there's, and then there's inaccuracies. Well, the portal, the, that's, that's the, the, this portal madness and, and kind of seeing it. What is this, the second year of it, really? That's, that's, it's the first full year where it's going in swing. It has really helped those schools like a Texas, like a Florida State, Teams that were already good that had a lot of talent, then you go out there and you grab six, seven other guys. It's just an idea that for all the numbers that we attribute to Arkansas, which I think, what was it, 21 transfers, and you're about to have the punter from Northern Dakota or Northern Colorado get an opportunity to audition. So that will be, I think the, word, the number was 16 that were really kind of, you would expect to play, 17 now, okay? 17 of them. Um, there are other programs in the SEC that have around the same amount of numbers that also that help build up their depth. Uh, that could be one reason why Alabama's down a little bit. That could be a reason why it feels like the SEC West is up for grabs because the transfer portal changed everything. It didn't just change Arkansas. It changed it, every team they're playing every, this year. Look every, at how BYU rebuilt through the transfer. didn't rebuild. They changed their program. They changed that program through the transfer portal. Well, it added instant depth when when you're getting the, when you're getting your freshman classes coming in from high school. It's you, you don't only have so many freshmen that can play. You're getting just an older, uh, older, more seasoned, more veteran player. You're getting guys that have been through a college offseason, and they're they're littered. I mean, that's 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 the uh, that's kind of the theme going on these first three weeks. Is man, this is a portal guy from this school. This guy used to play here, and now he's here. Here, and they're all over making plays everywhere. And that's how I feel about about every team we're going to be covering this year. <laughs> the, the men's basketball team under Musk, totally different through the portal. The rest of the SEC is exactly the same. I don't mean they're the same from last year. They're rebuilding through the portal or, or building their team through the portal. Good luck keeping up with the transfers in baseball in this conference. Holy moly. Like D1 Baseball is doing a list of the top 100 transfers in just the SEC for baseball. It's tough to keep up with all of it. And that was my whole point earlier, Brian, when you selectively listened to, I think, a sentence that I might have said a couple of months ago. Arkansas is, I think this is a better football team than last year. For the most part, I think if you put 22 against the 23 team, I probably would take the 2023 team. But that doesn't have anything to do with who you're playing. Everybody else in this league might have actually gotten a little bit deeper in certain situations. Our, our defense looks, they look like a real defense, man. They flash across the screen making plays. We had, what well, we have one last year, one real defensive guy. The Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa has everything you want for your next getaway. With the luxury and hospitality of a grand old southern hotel, the accommodations are sure to please everyone. Visit our thermal water bathhouse for mineral water baths and massages or enjoy one of our many dining options like our Friday night seafood buffet, primetime in a fountain room every Saturday night, or our award-winning Sunday brunch. Located in downtown Hot Springs, the Arlington is steps away from shopping, entertainment, bathhouse row, and the hiking and biking trails of the National Park. Visit ArlingtonHotel.com for more information. 
Hey, sports fans, don't let plumbing issues throw you off your game. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric is here to tackle those pesky drain blockages and ensure your water heater is always in MVP form. With Pascal's world-class service, you can count on a winning play every time. Whether it's a quick drain clear or a water heater touchdown, Pascal's got the expertise to keep your home running smoothly. Stay in the game and leave the plumbing to the pros. Schedule your service online anytime at gopascal.com. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Matt, you're not all that much into social media. You do have a Twitter account. I, I don't do. know how much you use it. I, I retweet uh, some of the times when when you're doing we're doing the show. I see that y'all are hit that line. They'll tweet out. Sometimes I, I retweet it. Sh- yeah, my social media usage has really dipped. I'd say in the last, I kind of glean last year. I glean from it from from just outlets. I just you just pick up information here and there in, in little bits. It's kind it's kind of like a. Like the ticker at the bottom of a TV screen is kind of how I, I, I absorb it. I, I believe, yeah. It's kind of out of one one eye, right? Yeah, you kind of like, side. yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm on all these sites. I got TikTok. I don't put up any videos. Some of these things make me laugh every once in a while. I'm on Facebook. I don't. I don't really put much up. I'm on Twitter, X, whatever you call it. That's probably where I'm most active. I'm on. I'm on Twitter every day. I'll, I'll use it for entertainment purposes or for news keeping purposes or anything like that communication with some of the people that we have on the show every once in a while uh, but I also hear a lot of coaches in any sport uh, especially in college uh, talking about needing to ignore whatever it is you see on social media and Matt I think they're I don't even think they're just talking about negativity I think when they're talking about ignore social media they mean all of it they don't they don't want they don't want guys listening to you're the best, you're the best, you're the best you can't get enough of you and all that kind of stuff it's the same on the other side and that's where it really starts to get poisonous You, how often have we heard that? You got to ignore social media. I think it's a little more difficult than well, they're making than actual than we think about especially today's day and age for a late teenager or early 20s that's the NIL though so that's, that's you have to make so many posts you have to be active on it uh, people are just hateful, uh, spiteful, jealousy, whatever. Uh, and, and then sometimes, you know, youngsters, it's, it's just, ah, it, uh, it, that's, that's, I kind of think that's what kind of got me off of it, you know, 10, 12, 15, however many years ago when you're kind of like, man, it's just a lot of negativity on there. So it's like, I don't even want to start arguing, you know, it's like, I don't even, it's, I'll just keep living my life. It is kind of entertaining to watch. What is it on Fallon? Uh, they do the celebrities read mean tweets. Mm-hmm. It's kind mm-hmm. of funny because those those folks have to have thin, you know, pretty thick skin if you're going to read those and then and, and joke about it. But in some cases, it is it is pretty funny. Wouldn't it be kind of interesting or funny if on the Sam Pittman live radio show you had players read mean tweets about themselves? I don't know if they'd be able to handle it quite the same way that some of the celebrities on Fallon do. Nor would I ever ask anybody to do that. It's it's like Deion Sanders said. It's like I don't care it, that you can't let other people that aren't in in the family that aren't in the group that aren't here. It doesn't matter what the outside people are saying or, right. or or what they're talking about. It doesn't. You can't even worry about it. Somebody wiser than me told me years ago: be careful who you take advice from. That's right. You know, or who you believe. What they're telling you is. Choose who it is you believe when they're telling you something about yourself and what you do either for a living or what you do for a hobby, and it goes the same way. Somebody tells you you're great, 
you're going to hear somebody else tell you that you stink. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, take, take who you trust. It's got to be somebody who you trust. You know, if I'm talking broadcasting with somebody, uh, I'm going to listen to what Chuck tells me about games mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, about, and about shows and things like that. I mean, that's just one example of, of about a handful of people that I would trust. Look, I mean, I like, I like feedback from listeners. That's important. But you sift through it. Not everything carries surface level a yeah. lot of weight. Yeah. Um, Social media is the exact same thing. E- even those who have the quote-unquote clout, you know, big numbers of, of, uh, of followers and everything, that doesn't necessarily mean that you, you got to believe what it is that they're saying or that you trust what they're putting up or anything like that. But i got to also say I hear a lot of coaches talk about leadership by example. Some of these coaches talk about not paying attention to what's on social media, but they're also really active on social media. It's not to say they might not have pretty thick skin because I think if you're going to be a college coach 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 Muss is one of the most active coaches on on social media in the country absolutely but I also think he's got to have the thick skin if you're going to be on Twitter and you're going to play like he does on Twitter because it comes back towards you negatively when when you lose I mean that's just how it is that's just how it is um I love Sam Pittman yesterday apparently deleted his Twitter account. This is gone. You, this is this has caught a firestorm on hashtag Arkansas Twitter, which is a very interesting place in and of itself, with or without Sam Pittman. Does it become a debate? Does he have to be on Twitter? No, he doesn't have to be on Twitter. I think in this case, he's leading by example. He's I've heard him talk about not paying attention to social media about trying to get his players to think about this. He's leading by example here because you read some of the stuff that people have to say about the coaching performance this past Saturday, the team so far. I wouldn't blame him for not wanting to read that kind of stuff and then to just be like, you know what? I don't need this thing. I don't need this app. I'm a football coach. I don't need it to recruit. I don't think he does. You don't need it to coach. You don't need it to game plan. This, I think it's leadership by example. I think he's just going into album mode. What He's mode? Album mode. He's. A, I need an explanation. You know, like when Kendrick Lamar's like, "Oh, I'm getting off social media for a second because I'm going in to record this album." I thought you said Alba, as in Jessica. Oh, no. I thought there was some sort of you know if, they, if you're dating Jessica Alba, you just it's like LeBron you get off James. of social media because you know it's about to happen to you. Yeah, LeBron James on uh, the playoff mode. You know, he's like, I'm getting off social media during the playoffs. Get back on. I get back at you afterwards. Well, somebody will tell you they're getting off social media. Maybe that just means they're not tweeting or they're yeah they're getting on that thing. I mean, that's a difficult. That's an addiction for a lot of people. That thumb knows where to go. Your eyes might be closed. That thumb knows where to go. And it, and it knows, and then maybe the thumb does a little reading I, in this case. But you, I, look, you don't need it to recruit. I don't think you do. Well, you, you got to stay involved a little bit, but I wonder how much of that is on him and his phone. You know, how much of that is somebody else that at the department that's that's doing that kind of in unison with them? I don't think he's actually the one sitting on his phone typing out the tweets. I don't think that's what Coach Pittman does. But he might be. He might have that app on his phone. And every once in a while, in a moment where you got 
30 seconds, maybe it comes up. Maybe you're looking at it. Maybe some of those things that, do pop I, in front of you. I, I see that, but I think it's tied in somewhere. I'd wonder how many of them actually that he, he does that on. Now, I always know the assistant coaches and how you connect, just how you stay connected. I think you there's, there is there is some use in it, but I, I'm with you. I think there's there's it's not it's 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 overvalued you know it's i don't think it's up to what it is just look i mean people say you got to be on twitter in order to recruit the proof is dave van horn uh dave van horn uh is on twitter i think he's got like 80 career tweets is that an official college baseball statistic career tweets David would be for his number of wins as he's got. I love his career win to career tweet ratio. It's very it's, solid. It's it's like uh, yeah, what Tom Brady said: get out of your car and go back, go, go go get in the film room. It's like get off of your social media and and go watch some film. I don't. I'm not bothered one bit by Sam Pittman getting off Twitter. In fact, I say hurrah, hurrah. I'd like to follow myself. Let's go to the McClarty Daniel Hotline. What's up, Charlie? How are you today? Phil, you're so freaking great, man. You know. You you brought, you basically talked about what I was going to bring up, and I took exactly what you said, and that's exactly what I thought about when you deleted it because he talked about it the other day, and you know sometimes you know you got to get away from that and not look at those things and the negative things, and I think you you're right. I think he's doing it to try to show leadership. That's exactly why he's doing it. Um, Oh, by the way, Charlie, I have an official Dave Van Horn career tweet. 56. 56 tweets. Um, How long has this website been around? 2007, 2008? I'm sure Dave wasn't on Twitter in 2008, but let's just say he's had this account. I know he's had this account at least since I've been covering the team, so that's 10 years. That's an average of 5.6. I love batting averages. This is a Twitter average. 5.6 posts per year. Don't tell me you have to have Twitter to recruit. You don't. It's a lie. Absolutely, you do not. In fact, I. It just depends on how you. No, I agree with you one hundred percent. And I. Who knows if Dave even put those tweets up? You know, I, somebody could have. Like Matt said, somebody could have. If it was, if somebody else was in charge of putting out a tweet for Dave Van Horn, there'd be more than fifty six. I think that's his. I think somebody <laughs> oh, yeah, might somebody might help compose or whatever, you know. But but that's his. I mean, the last photo he's the last one he's got up is September eighteenth, and that was recently. Until, you know, we went to see Heston Kerstad in Houston. Yeah, and I, I, listen, I, every coach is different. Their personalities are different, and I, you know, KJ even put, even put out now he put out a prayer for uh, uh, Brooks and. No, he said a couple of things, and he he hasn't been tweeting. So I think it's just you know you got your two leaders there trying to you know send a good message, lock in. You know that's the main thing, and I just think he's trying to show leadership, like you said, and I I one hundred percent agree. And I you know my whole thing with this game is I do not believe LSU, and I know the line is what it is, but Matt on paper, top to bottom. Yeah, LSU may be a little bit more talented, but let's be real, they got their butts handed to them by Florida State in the first game. So, and I understand they went on the road last week and played well. I get all that. Mississippi State is, is um, you know, got some talent. But I'm just saying, this game is winnable, and I know people are saying we're going to get blown out, and I get all that. But this game is winnable if Arkansas plays well and doesn't beat themselves. And that's just my opinion. And it's always close when they play LSU. Yeah, it is. It is, Charlie. It's going to be close. That's what I expect. Uh, you know that L- you see the final score from Florida State, forty-five twenty-four. That was a seventeen-seventeen game. 
with uh, a little more than nine minutes to play in the third quarter. Uh, you know, Florida State pulled away in the fourth. It was a tight game up until that fourth quarter. It was quarter. a battle. Man, both those teams were hitting. Back on the McClarty Daniel hotline, Eduardo is here. Thank you so much for calling, Eduardo. I, we had a call. We got to turn that radio down when we do turn the when we do uh, put you on on here. You're a seasoned radio caller, Eduardo. You know you got to turn that put that radio down. But I've been uh, I've been waiting for your phone call today, man. How are you? Well, I'm still a Hall fan, sir, and I always will be. You know, to compete in this game Saturday night in Baton Rouge, yes, we can compete. But it comes down to one word, and that's performance. And let me define performance to you, the Coach Pittman and our players. You know, last Saturday night, that performance on that field at home was clearly unacceptable. So how do you do that? You increase that performance. we got to increase our performance, number one, at quarterback play. Number two, we got to increase our performance on the offensive line. Number three, and you better listen to this. We better find a way. Find our playmakers. We have to run the football. That's understood, Eduardo, and he sounds more fired up than usual today. I'll say, I, I, I think mistakes that KJ had against BYU, I think the interception was on him. The, the, I think a lot, some of the, if there were mistakes from KJ, and I don't think he played poorly. Uh, I, I think a lot of it has to do with what's going on in front of him at that offensive line. Uh, I trust KJ to play very well against uh, against LSU and everybody else. And Eduardo, it's good to hear from you. Got to move on. Thank you so much for listening to our show today. Eddie did sound like he was a little more fired up than usual. I did get another text today that covered three full phone screens. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. The year of the sauce continues at Buffalo Wild Wings. Introducing Bullet Bourbon Barbecue Sauce and the return of hot barbecue sauce to the Buffalo Wild Wings sauce lineup. Try both Bullet Bourbon Barbecue Sauce and Hot Barbecue Sauce for a limited time at your local Buffalo Wild Wings. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings in Little Rock, Sherwood, Bryant, Conway, Jonesboro, and Fort Smith. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, sauce, beer, and football. Hey, Bob, how are you? Looking forward to a trip down uh, to Louisiana? Yeah, yeah, I'm first road trip of the year. Always uh, always nice to go to Baton Rouge. Good, good weather, hopefully. You've covered a lot of these games, man. What is it about Arkansas LSU that just seems to make it? You never know what's going to happen in this series. You just never know. Well, yeah, the last three games, as both, both coaches pointed out, have been, have been three-point games in Arkansas. You know, one one down there. It's, it's funny. LSU's won two three point games in Fayetteville, and uh, Arkansas's won a three point game in overtime in Baton Rouge. So that's that's kind of gone against the norm. I know LSU's a pretty big favorite. I guess about seventeen and a half points last time I looked, but I think it'll be a closer game than that. I I don't know. Uh, obviously, LSU should be favored at home. They're they, they're coming off a great win. Arkansas is coming off a frustrating loss, but. Um, 
don't know if it's the proximity of the states or they, they did have some previous history before Arkansas got in the league. They played, you know, in earlier in the 20s and 30s and played a scoreless Cotton Bowl one year, I think, in the 40s. So there, there's some history there and, and uh, border states. So uh, I think it's something both fan bases get into. Bob, uh, with this offensive line, how, how do you think that's going to hold up? Is, is that what's uh, is that what you're going to be looking at first and early during this LSU matchup? Yeah, if I'm Arkansas, that would probably be my primary concern. Is yeah, how are they going to block LSU? Especially, he's now number four, I believe. Harold Perkins, outside linebacker, who just was kind of a one man wrecking crew last year. KJ Jefferson was out. Malik Hornsby's in there, and one thing you felt about Malik was, well, he's got good speed. Well. Um, you know, Perkins might be a linebacker, but he ran down uh, Hornsby three times. Sacked him. I think it was my, or I don't know if it was Hornsby, it was twice at least. Maybe he got Forte once too, but, um, um, or Ford once too. But yeah, he they got to account for him. And I don't know why, but LSU had him playing more on the inside in the Florida State game, which I think they figured out that's not a great idea. So I, I, I assume he's going to be moving around, rushing off the edge against K.J. Jefferson, who we know is a tough mobile quarterback, but um, they got to count for him. They're probably going to have to use their tight ends and running backs to help block him, too. But you're talking about two pretty inexperienced tackles trying to block Harold Perkins, and that's that's not a good feeling to me anyway for Arkansas. That's that's why I was that's why I was going to ask you how different do you think this this offense might look? Uh, you know, I don't think the offensives look bad or inept or anything like that. Uh, I mean, we've had our moments, but how, how different do you think this offense could look in, um, schematically against LSU? Yeah, I assume Rocket Sanders is not going to be ready to play. I don't know that um, he has returned to practice. We saw him do not much of anything Monday and Tuesday, but at least he was out there. And, Dan Pittman has basically said, now he may actually know, but um, he said, you know, earlier in the week he didn't know if he was going to play or not. And my feeling is also, if you're not sure Rocket's ready, you don't put him in against LSU. <laughs> so, assuming they don't have Rocket, you know, they, I think they need to, uh, you know, kind of try to establish some kind of run game with A.J. Green and, and Rashad DeBinion and, and, you know, to keep the, the pass rush off K.J. Uh, Jefferson as much as possible. Uh, Sam Pittman talked Monday about moving the pocket, you know, getting A.J. on the move, which limits some of your passing options, uh, you know, because you're kind of more restricted to one side, but that might, you know, get moved the pocket away from Harold Perkins, right? Whichever side he's on, be moved the pocket to the other side. That's something they could do. Um, like I say, we're bringing in more more chipping from the tight ends before they go out. We know Lucas has played really well and you know, he might get a, you know, he, the thing about this, this guy, I know he's going to be his fourth start, but his first road start in, the, in at Arkansas is at Death Valley at night. So that's going to be baptism by fire. I think Luke's probably up to the challenge because he's not sure run the mill fresh from him. But um, they're probably going to have to hit some quick, you know, shorter, quick routes because, you know, KJ was under a lot of pressure, right? It'd be why he had accepted four times and, you know, forced him to fumble a couple times, and was he was under heavy pressure, so they might have to do some some quicker hitting stuff. You know, maybe run some screens, maybe run some draws to try to get that pass rush. Uh, you know, get, so so LSU just doesn't pin their ears back. Bob, I think the defense has been a, a, a more consistent unit than the than the offense so far. Um, do you think this is a team that's going to need 
to win a couple of games defensively this year. I mean, you got to outscore your opponent. We know that, but they're going to need to to win some games in the low twenties potentially. Yeah, and the defense has shown an ability to to produce points. Right? They, they've had two pick sixes, and I realize it was against Western Carolina and Kent State, but and also special teams. Right? Isaiah Satania had a punt return for a touchdown. So you know, you can't count getting a pick six and a punt return for a touchdown. Special teams score every game. But I do think they've shown the ability to score in different ways, or you know those you know turnovers or uh, special teams plays can get you short field. You know, nice return, a block punt, you know, forcing a guy to shank it, something like that. So I think they're going to need help from the defense and the special teams to either score or you know give them short fields, have a shot at a game like this, and maybe some other games in the future. I mean, they really have to play complimentary football especially on the road against these really you know tough teams and we've probably talked week after week about this brutal schedule they got coming up it's so different playing them in September I mean it felt different I think when Arkansas LSU moved off of Thanksgiving week because you were so used to that but still it wasn't the first SEC game um, you know we still don't know everything or I even think a lot about these two teams it's only three games in to me the college football season doesn't really begin to take shape until you start getting into the conference schedule so I mean how does how do you know these teams are matched up obviously they're different than the teams that played last year different than any team that played on Thanksgiving weekend it's just that makes this game different than any other time that these two football programs have ever played against each other yeah, it's weird. You know, for so long, it was the last game of the year. Uh, you know, regular season finale, and and a lot of times a lot was riding on it. Maybe the SEC West title or bowl bids or bigger bowl bids or something like that. Sometimes one team was trying to play the spoiler. Sometimes it was a coach's last game, like Danny Ford coached his last game against LSU. Um, Houston Nutt ended up coaching his last game against LSU. Uh, I think Curly Holman on the other side coached his last game against Arkansas, maybe Jerry DiNardo. So um, I used to say, I had a little joke that, you know, they were playing for the boot and then the coach would get the boot because there, there, there were five or six coaches who that was their last game on both sides of it. Heck, remember yeah, even yeah. two years ago, two years ago, you had a coach who'd already been given the boot and then he coached for the boot in Ogeron. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, Ed, and then of course I think it was John L's last game, so... Heck, maybe it's 10 or 12. It's a lot of, and that's, you know, in college football, a lot of times the last game of the year is is, is uh, that guy's last, last game. Sometimes fired or no, agreed to leave, whatever you want to And they got a nice buyout. And, uh, yeah, he's still coached. So um, it's, uh, it was a d- d- different deal. But it's very strange for Church. I used to open up with Alabama a lot of times. So that was really tough. They have a tougher opener than LSU on the road at night. I mean, that's um, maybe he's got to go play to Ohio State or something in December. <laughs> but of course, you're probably not going to open in December. But um, yeah, it's just it's, just, it's a real tough challenge for Arkansas. But I think about it, you know, nope, not very many people give them a shot to win. So to me, they can go in there and play loose and free and just you know try to play their best and see what happens. But I think the pressure's on LSU, right? Because you know, LSU has national title aspirations, and they cannot afford another loss after losing to Florida State the way they did. So, um, you know, there's pressure on LSU for every game from here on out. 
Um, and I know they're at home, they're big favorites, but to me, if, if I'm Arkansas, I'm going in there you know, trying to play loose and free and just, you know, to, to try to upset them. How, so, so I, I mean, we, we all know that their offense uh, run, runs through Daniels. He was 30-34 with two touchdowns last week, 15 attempts, 64 on the, on the ground with two touchdowns as well. What, what, what do you think? What are we, what, what we going to do on defense? How are we going to try to contain him? Well, that, that, that's just a tough deal. You know, last year he did not have good numbers at all against Target, so I think that was kind of twofold. One, I think LSU saw early that Arkansas couldn't generate much offense without KJ, and so they played very conservatively, you know, played not to lose because they felt like, you know, they just, the, the 13 points could win that game, and it did. And also it was really, really cold. That would be a big difference. It might be, I don't know, 75 or 80. For this game, it was about 30 degrees in favor last year. I know the LSU was drinking chicken soup on the sideline. We'll be drinking chicken soup uh, or gumbo or whatever. <laughs> I think that will be guzzling Gatorade and water. But, um, yeah, you got to try to keep Daniels in the pocket, which is easier said than done. you got to try to put some pressure on him. Second, him will be very difficult because he's very elusive like KJ. He's not quite as big as KJ, but he's a very good, willing runner. And um, so I think you just, you know, it'll be interesting. Maybe they put a spy on him. That's basically what Harold Perkins did uh, last year on, on Hornsby. And so maybe they have a spy on him. Uh, I think you have to be very disciplined, you know, stay in your rush lanes. I'm not trying to sound like a coach here because God knows I don't know X's and O's. But I think you got to stay in your lane, not try to do too much, you know, play contain. Uh, and, and if you don't get to him, get get up and, uh, you know, bat the ball down. I, I was watching the game, you know, last weekend. I can't remember which one it was, but, you know, a guy was not getting great penetration, but he was able to jump up. You know, he got in the passing lane, you know, and then, then knocked the pass down. So I think you've got to try to do some things like that. But basically, you just can't give them all day to sit back there. So they, they, they also, it's going to be very hard to play man-to-man. We saw what, what uh, neighbors did to Mississippi State playing man-to-man. After the game, the LSU coach, Brian Kelly, basically questioned, why would you do that? Why would you play man-to-man against this guy? So, uh, but Arkansas probably play some man-to-man, but, um, you know, I think they've got to try, try to mix up their blitzes and not blitz all the time, but, but you know, try to get as much pressure as they can with that four-man rush, which will be tough because LSU's got a gut. Just like everywhere else, they're good on that offensive former Sam Pittman assistant is, is their line coach now. Prize picks is the most fun I've had winning up to 25 times my money this football season. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry. Prize Picks is a skill-based, real-money daily fantasy sports game. How does it work? Well, you pick two to six players, and if they will go for more or less than their Prize Picks projection. Prize Picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Find out all about it at prizepicks.com slash HTL and use code HTL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash HTL and use the code HTL for that first deposit match of up to $100. Must be present in certain states. Visit prizepicks.com for restrictions and details. prizepicks.com, daily fantasy sports made easy. Passion is something that exists in all of us. I know we got a lot of passionate Hog fans listening right now. And I know that all of you love football season. Dave Bushkill and his team over at Eastside Liquor are the exact same way. They can take care of all your tailgating and party needs. Whether it's just a few beers or alcohol in bulk. 
stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith to check off every item on your list. Eastside Liquor, your number one stop for Arkansas football this season. Are you in need of an attorney? Hickey & Hull Law Partners is your firm. Hickey & Hull understand the importance of client communication, meeting with you, responding to emails, and returning calls. Hickey & Hull are attorneys you can trust to guide you through a divorce or a custody case, criminal charges, or even civil lawsuit. Ready to put their seven decades of experience to work for you and get the best results. Every case is important. Hickey & Hull Law Partners strive to give each client the time and attention it deserves. Visit them at KevinHickeyLaw.com. Hickey and Hull Law Partners. Things are about to get better. And now, back to the podcast. And we'll talk now with Brett Dolan from Touchdown Radio. And, of course, you know him from uh, Razorback Sports Network, ESPN Plus coverage, SEC Plus coverage of everything Arkansas. And uh, good to have you on here, Brett. You had a pretty interesting Ole Miss-Georgia Tech game last weekend. And Iowa Penn State awaits you. So, yeah, I always want to get the Iowa grad on the Iowa game. But I know we, we touched <laughs> on it last week. <laughs> The Iowa guy would prefer not to be on the Iowa game uh, unless there's a, an upset, and, and they are a 15-point underdog, so I don't know if that'll take place. But, uh, no, it's always good to go to Happy Valley. It's not easy to get there. It's really not easy to get back after 110,000 packed their way in. But we love college football for the spectacle and for the scene, and that ranks probably in the top five or six in the country for both of those. Really looks like you had an interesting uh, game in, in Oxford this past weekend. Uh, it was it was tight. Uh, then an explosive fourth quarter in which thirty seven points were scored, and it just uh, must have to be kind of tough to keep up with it at that point. A little bit. I mean, it was ten to three at the half, and and you know you look at the final score, and you probably forget the fact it was ten three Old Miss at the half, and each team had a field goal blocked or partially blocked. It was not a masterpiece by any stretch. I will say, while Old Miss certainly at the end of the game had the numbers that looked good. It didn't look good for three and a half quarters. And Lane Kiffin isn't afraid to pad some numbers at the end. He's from the Ryan Day school of let's keep throwing bombs with four minutes left. And when someone picks up the paper the next day, they'll think we had a great offensive day. They did not. Uh, They did have a good finish. But when Georgia Tech kind of reached that tipping point where the game was over, then they just kind of stuck in a couple of late touchdowns. So uh, I I don't know how much credit I, I give Ole Miss, but obviously they'll have a fun game this weekend when, when they rattle into Tuscaloosa against a down Alabama team by their standards. Brett, you got some uh, some big games all across college football this this weekend. Two of them that I'm looking at, and 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 you got FSU at Clemson and Ole Miss at Alabama. Dabo Sweeney, Nick Saban, both kind of on the hot seat. Which one of those coaches should be should be worried? Ooh. Maybe more dabble than than uh, Nick, and obviously both of those guys have some equity in the bank. But Clemson just doesn't look like Clemson of old, and not that Alabama does. Uh, I, I think there's still talent for Alabama. I would still probably pick them over Old Miss, even though their game last week at USF was just disgusting offensively. It was just terrible. And maybe with going back to Milro, that'll alleviate some of those issues. But that was another game that was 10-3 late in the game against a really bad USF team. The Clemson, and the reason I pick Clemson, Matt, is just because that first game against Duke, I don't know if any of us thought that Duke was going to win that game. And maybe they're better than we think, but it's still Duke and it's still ACC. And for them really not to show up and their quarterback play to look so bad is 
is one thing, but I got to believe there's some Tiger fans that are going to watch DJU and what he's doing after transferring to Oak, uh, to Oregon State and think, why couldn't we get more out of this guy? They're getting something out of him, and we're going with Klubnik. We're struggling, and uh, and they have not played well. And, and quite honestly, you should be able to do better in the ACC than you do in the SEC. That's probably why I still give Nick the benefit of the doubt more so than uh, Dabo. Yeah, with with Alabama and Clemson both having that loss early, it just each one all these games just get more magnified because it, if they if Alabama loses, Clemson loses, they're done. They're they're not making the Final Four. One hundred percent. And quite honestly, I, you know, this is a topic for another day. I like the fourteen playoff. I'm not a fan of the twelve team playoff for that same thing. I think there's some urgency every game, whether it's September, whether it's October. They mean something. Next year, you might lose two games and be fine, or you have an opportunity to get your act together over the last half of the season. Not this year. So you're right. You lose that second game, and it changes the conversation. And not only for this year, but in the era we live in with kids transferring, it just gives them time to start thinking, I'm not playing for the Alabama I came to play for, or Clemson, or whatever. Maybe I need to start thinking about transferring or the coaches flush guys. You're right. It does change everything, and it it makes for just that level of, of chaos and urgency that I, I think we've really kind of enjoyed. What do you think watching uh, Pete Golding's defense at, at Ole Miss and, and how it's been different from what we'd seen in the last couple of years with Kiffin as the coach? Yeah, better. That's the main thing. It is better. And I think in part, I don't think their offense is as good. I don't think Jackson Dart's playing terribly well. I think others might disagree. I've seen every freaking snap he's taken this year on taper in person. It's not overwhelming. Their running game has been lackluster, but their defense has given them a chance, especially early when maybe you know they fall behind in previous years and have to come racing back to win games. I mean, that was a tie game late at Tulane. And their defense scored a touchdown, and they got an offensive score, and, and the score probably didn't look like how tight the game actually was. And last week, again, 10-3 at the half. And Georgia Tech's not a juggernaut, but they have speed, and they're better. But that defense is better. And uh, I'll be curious to see how it holds up this week because we might have an old Miss-Alabama tight game, but it might look different than, than past years. It may not be 38-35. It might be 21-20 or 2017, and that does give Ole Miss a chance. Because last year I had them fill at the last game of the year in the Texas Bowl, and Texas Tech just bumped them. And as an SEC guy, I thought, well, you know, Ole Miss will wear them down. They'll be better. They were terrible. Uh, Texas Tech just ran them out of Houston in the Texas Bowl. They had to make changes, and, and to Lane's credit, uh, they, they figured out how to have at least a much more representative defense than past years. So I saw you got Iowa Penn State this weekend. I'd seen, and it's funny to think about this. Uh, someone uh, called uh, the Steelers the Iowa of the NFL. Black and gold uh, have an offensive coordinator that their fan base despises, and uh, just frankly have a lot of trouble scoring <laughs> against good defenses. But anyway, forty-one against West Michigan is going to be quite a bit different than going up against Penn State. Well, it is. And here's the kicker, right? Cade McNamara came over from Michigan. He's 18-3 and three as a starter. He's a good quarterback. He might not be as good as J.J. McCarthy, really good. He's dealt with a quad issue. He has not been the same. It's been timing and rhythm and pushing off. He's not looked good. His best weapon catching the football, Luke Lachey, um, four touchdowns last year. Tight end is probably the next Iowa first-round tight end. Broke his leg last week, which was awful. 
Iowa's top three running backs are not going to play. I have a feeling that's why it's a 15-point game. Um, you know, Penn State has not been dynamic either offensively, either no, they, they seem to have weapons. But here's, here's a great note, Phil. I was looking back at this, this rivalry, which has become a really good Big Ten grind-em-out game. Since 2000, Iowa's won 10, Penn State's won 7. Penn State's won 6 of the last 10, Iowa's won the last 2. But during that stretch, Iowa's averaged 20.5 points against Penn State. Penn State's averaged 19.7 against Iowa. So it, it's been one of these uh, type games or rivalry games over the last couple of years, if not a little bit longer, that's been really close and, and fun. Whether we get a shootout, I don't think that'll be the case. But Iowa needs to make this a 17-14 type game to, to win because they're not going to be able to put up 27 points or something like that. Yeah, it's been pretty kind of kind of even, I guess, with the Arkansas-LSU matchup a little bit the last couple of games. Was it, Phil, the last three have been decided by three points? How does right. Arkansas How does Arkansas keep it close this week? Or do they have a chance to, to go into Baton Rouge and get a victory? It's going to be tough. I, I think we all know that. I mean, LSU, we watched them that first week, and we thought, wow, this is going to be a great chance for Arkansas or other teams to, to kind of take LSU down a peg. Clearly, it looks like they've kind of righted their ship just a bit. Um, I, I would say probably more so than ever, Arkansas needs to play well in the first half, and, and, and they, they can't be in a deficit scenario halfway through that second half. I, I think it's going to be hard to try and gather a lot of points late and, and come back. I, I do think this is going to be a close game. I, I could be wrong. Uh, I know the, the point spread doesn't probably indicate that. I'm with you, Matt. I think these, these games have been really good between these two teams over the last several years. Um, but uh, I think Arkansas clearly has their work cut out for them. All right. We'll end on a totally different topic here. <clears throat> Brought up the other day. Um, do you see uh, the story about Heston Kerstad uh, being pushed around the <laughs> Orioles clubhouse during the celebration for the playoff clinch, uh, dumping everything they could on him? Literally everything. And I, I mean, I, olive oil, a smoothie, ranch dressing, Chick-fil-A sauce. Uh, you know, that's with a lot of media in there, lots of cameras, Lots of phones acting as cameras, a lot of microphones. You and I have spent a lot of time uh, working for minor league baseball teams where every once in a while you get a team that, that is worthy of a big celebration on the clubhouse and there's not a camera to be found. I've, I've experienced a couple of those. I had some really bad minor league teams, so I would have liked to see more. <laughs> Did you see any crazy celebrations in the minors? We had one, but I'm going to have to take you back to 1994. You were just a, a pup back then, but this was in the Midwest League, and I think it was my second year doing minor league ball. We won the championship in Battle Creek, Michigan, and, and decided to leave coming back through the night. So the celebration in the clubhouse was, was pretty crazy, and our coaches decided they want to leave. They wanted to drive back to Wisconsin and, and be on their merry way for the offseason. We stopped at a liquor store that was just about ready to close, and we convinced the guy not to because we had somewhere in the neighborhood – I don't know, several thousand dollars worth of fine money, and we spent every single dollar at the uh, at the liquor store and brought that back on the bus with us to Wisconsin. I would say when we rolled in at 6 in the morning or 7 in the morning, uh, there were a lot of cabs called because nobody was in much shape to, uh, to do anything, operating any heavy machinery. But uh, whatever dollars figure we had left in the, uh, the fine coffer accumulated over five months was spent in about 30 minutes in a Battle Creek, Michigan liquor store, and the party was on. How long's the bus ride from Battle Creek to Beloit, Brett? <laughs> Five and a half, six, long enough. Long, long enough of a party. To, uh... That's for sure. That's... <laughs> Have a good party.
You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at hitthatline.com. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.